Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab globe, spin around, bang. Not sure where you ended up, but find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and that's where we're at. Doing uh, this is podcast number three fifteen, and that's hard to believe. And this podcast has been called deliberately provocative, unexpectedly funny. So we're so glad that uh, that you've joined us. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, jump right in and introduce the panel. He is a formal world-class policy writer. He is a current professional gambler. He's the show producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yes, Steve. A former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Yo, Mike. Guys, sorry. And back in the saddle, uh, he is the professor, pretty much a talent development guy, commercial grade teacher. Glad to have him back, kind of the group theologian. It's Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Robert. And my name is Bill Cox, and I'm basically a uh, contractor, salesman kind of guy. Anyway. Uh, this is from the book uh, Connect 360, A Cry for Freedom, Grace That is Still Amazing. And we are going to go ahead and uh, just talk about uh, Paul. Uh, go ahead and uh, tee it up, Steve Titch. Yes, hi. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Bill. We're going to look at uh, go, the letter of the Galatians. This whole, we'll look at a deep dive into Galatians, but uh, this is... Uh, chapter 1, verses 11 through 24, and it invites us to study the conversion of Saul or Paul, we'll probably be using that interchangeably as we go along, um, and and by extension, our, our own conversion experience and the conversion experience in general, because this is a can be a peculiar event and it can be difficult for even people raised in certain Christian denominations to understand the idea of being either born again or uh, coming to Jesus, uh, meeting Christ, uh, being led to Christ. Um, and so, and, and can happen in so many different ways. This is just one big dramatic event we see in in Saul and Paul's case. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Uh, yeah, folks, if you remember last week, we started less on Galatians, and uh, we talked about, oh, uh, the, the Galatians themselves accepting a version of the gospel that Paul had talked about. The first the first lesson in the series, and we looked at, we're looking at two, the second one today, the first one was Paul had started a church in Galatia, and he, after he got the church started, he left. And there was a group of people, interestingly enough, uh, which Paul refers to as Judaizers, and they later infiltrate the other churches and try to attempt 
uh, to to tell all the new Christians, and by the way, the Galatian church are Gentiles, they're not Jews. They tell them that Jesus was a Jew to begin with, and he has presented the gospel, and therefore you have to come a Jew also. Now, it may not be that exact comparison that they used, but the fact was they believed in order for the Gentiles to know Jesus fully and to accept him and be a Christian that they should be, they needed to be circumcised and follow Jewish laws and regulations. Now, the lesson examines Paul's testimony as he recites it to the Galatians. The Galatians accused Paul of not being a true apostle, so he did not know the gospel. It was flawed, the one that he taught. He was not called by Jesus while Jesus was here on earth. He was he was called by Jesus later. So you can't possibly know everything about Jesus that you need to know, like the 12 apostles. So your, your teaching of the gospel is flawed, Paul. This was their statements. And the second thing was Paul always taught and taught them that all they had to do was accept uh, God's gift of them by grace and faith and they would be born again. They would become salvation. By the way, born again, folks, is something we'll be talking about. And Steve mentioned that earlier, and that's simply a, a church answer to finding Christ as Savior. Anyway, this is a very fascinating uh, look we're going to have at Paul here. And he comes out with some fiery response to the, to the Judaizers accusing him of not teaching the true gospel. And it's pretty exciting teaching. Uh, Bill? Uh, excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu. So I am going to jump back a week. I actually listened to the podcast from last week's because I wasn't able to be on. And I heard Steve's comment about how, how grace is there and salvation is there, but it's not a go along to get along. And I'm just going to confirm what the gambler admitted to the show <laughs> producer that yes, Yes. Matter of fact, we take it one step further. If we see somebody doing unsafe work, anybody from the helper we've hired off the street to stand there and hold the fire extinguisher while we're doing a welding job watching or the corporate schmuck from training like me that's <laughs> there not knowing really what all is going on. If we think anything is unsafe, we have a right, nay, a duty to stop that work and say, hey, guys, we got to stop this and take a look at everything. And so I just want to go back and revisit that because, yes, you're right. Christianity is there to love, and how you do it is the important part, and that's what we forget. But it, it is designed to impact the culture and impact other lives around ourselves by how we live and how we do what we do as Christians. And I think that is one of the most important things. And Paul starts that this week. Now I'll jump in. By talking about his experience and his conversion, and I did a little research. He never mentioned it, so no one's sure, but I have always laid even money that Paul was present at the trial of Jesus. And so he literally would have been on the side going, no, 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 no. We got to get rid of this heretic. And then we see where he goes from there with Stephen. Give me the letters. I'm going to go get these guys. He was the up-and-comer in, in the ranks of the Pharisees. He was, the, he was that high-potential employee that is being angled for the CEO job. Paul would probably have been chief priest had he stuck around and hung around long enough. So 
that journey he takes us on from where he was to being a Christian, where he is now with Galatians, is this story takes off and becomes important. Bill? <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to talk about real quick about in Steve's notes as well. It's the fact that he wasn't just anybody. He was the man and he was up and coming. So, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. And this is uh, Galatian 1, 11 through 24. And this is when Paul called by God. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard in my previous way of life in Jewities how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were, who were the apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem, got acquainted with Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother, I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea, that one in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they Praise God because of me. Steve. Well, he's trying to accomplish a few things with this, uh, with this introduction. One is, one is to reassert his faith and the history of, the, of his literal Damascus moment, his road to Damascus moment. But he's also, and he's kind of answering the Judaizers by saying, I, I didn't get the gospel from the apostles. I got the gospel directly from Jesus. So more, more so than maybe a, 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 you know, let's say a standard conversion experience on top of everything, apparently um, somehow, whatever, whatever happened on the road to, to Damascus, Jesus conveyed the whole gospel directly to Paul. Uh, it's it you know maybe it was a conversation. We we don't get the details. We don't get the details here. He just says he received the, the gospel, uh, which which tends to sound more, was more than just a conversation. It was it was maybe in the in the Jeremiah idea 
imprinted on his on his heart. But he emerged from this and his and, and, and he does not back away from his past. He says, yeah, everything you heard about me was true. Um, and I think he, he uses that with a, a bit of irony when he, he, he addresses the he addresses the Judaizers through the Galatians by saying, you know, these Judaizers are walking around talking about the law. Nobody understood the law or followed it as 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 to the degree I did, to the zealousness I did. I I'm I was your Hebrew of Hebrews. I was your Pharisee of Pharisees. And I, you know, I knew everything. And now I'm telling you that's all revised. So I think he's got he's got a, a whole lot of things going on with this communication. Um, but among those, he's saying, look, I, I spent 15 days with Peter and you know, said hello to James in the process. He came into the room, we said hi. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and, yeah. and, and he did not, he did not really, his, his gospel is what, what he's conveying. He's saying came directly from Jesus Christ, just, you know, through maybe, you know, this, this heavenly intercession, uh, but, it, but it was as valid as anything the apostles learned while Jesus was alive and working and, 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 li- and, and dwelling among us on earth. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, that's it. I've been thinking about this, and, and guys, this is a miracle. This is absolutely a miracle. When Christ is here and he called the apostles, he walked with them. He was living flesh, okay? There is no reason, there is no reason for Jesus to appear to Paul other than he wanted him and decided he would be part of his calling. What he did was he literally called Paul in his resurrected state. Now, we don't know what Paul saw. We know he saw a light. He's very clear about that. This is just an amazing uh, faith conversion here. And and, and Steve, you said what's amazing about his faith journey. The faith journey, what's amazing about it is that that this didn't happen to anybody else. It happened Mm -hmm. to Paul, Okay. Now, and, 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 the, and, and the things we can touch on so much, and Robert may touch on this, Paul hated Christians. He didn't just dislike them or despise them. He hated them like the other Pharisees. After all, he was a Pharisee. He believed they were destroying the law. He believed that their purpose was going to destroy God and everything the Jews believed about him, that they were his chosen people. To me, it's a miracle because... It's like Elijah being taken up in the chariot of fire. Paul is confronted by Jesus on the road, and uh, and, and 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 like I said, and and Paul and Steve, you said, and and Robert, Paul is a Judaizer, and so why is he surprised that the Judaizers are coming in his church behind him and telling him, "You are not correct in what you are teaching." Paul says, I know from experience that God's grace and his love and his forgiveness are what gospel is all about. And he wants to tell them, and, and he does say that, I was one of them. I know I was closed-minded. I was blocked off so much, and I, and I hated them so much, this new gospel, that you can be saved without having to study the Torah, the study of the Septuagint, and, and everything 
and without having the liver uh, living by cooking with kosher food, eating with kosher people, and keeping the Sabbath perfectly. He says, I know because I was you. So if anybody should understand this, it's got to be Paul. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu. Yeah, this is this is one of those. I I, I want to go past the Damascus Road to the go and stay with Peter for a moment. So Peter had had the vision previously in Acts about you couldn't eat that, you know, you couldn't eat meat and and God tells him, no, you can go eat all this. And Peter goes, really? <laughs> I didn't do that. He goes, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Go do it. And I'm wondering what's going through James and Paul's head when James and Peter's head, my apologies, when Paul comes knocking on the door and they open the door and, oh, it's you. Because, you know, word had kind of filtered out by then because he had spent some time in Damascus that, no, 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 Paul's good. He's not trying to kill us anymore. But I'm wondering in the back of their heads, are people going, yeah, but is he a plant? Is he just kind of playing along to to get us there? And it's truly sneak peek. Listen to us in a couple of weeks and you'll hear the chosen season two discussed. But it's very much Jesus going to each disciple and looking at them and saying, follow me. He did that to Paul in a spectacular way compared to everybody else where he looked at him and he said, and he said, why are you persecuting me, Paul? And followed up with, follow me. And then Paul does the 180. Well, Jesus is dead, right? Yeah. yeah this is dead. So this can is you the imagine resurrected Christ. Yeah. Dead man speaking to you? What was driving Paul, Saul, and why he it was his zeal, but being being the way you know he he knew the law he knew the history these these people these jews that were were going over to christ to him were idolaters and blasphemers and worse mm -hmm. this was exact to him this was exactly the type of thinking that got the Jews to Babylon exiled that brought all these catastrophes on them. So here he is just like with all the Pharisees trying to hold, mm -hmm. hold the, the nation together. And along comes, along comes this, to what was to him, this cult around this blasphemer. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's gotta be stamped out. You, you, and, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I, he's, he certainly was old enough that he's probably, if not a member of the Sanhedrin, maybe a, a, a secretary, a, someone who was very much involved at that, at that moment. I think he knew exactly who, you know, Jesus was when they were talking about him in terms of as the personality just felt that he was, he was rightfully convicted of blasphemy. And yeah, imagine this. And then, whoa, you're wrong. Yeah, this is, I mean, that's the only thing that could turn you around is like some transcendent Miracle, yeah. experience with, I mean, he knew he knew who Jesus was because he saw him in Jerusalem. In all likelihood, saw him at the trial 
given given his stature that well he only he knew the scriptures so well that he would have known the gospel in the scriptures mm -hmm. if he could put it all together mm -hmm. but he couldn't right and there's so many pharisees that knew knew isaiah knew all the prophets but they couldn't the holy spirit wasn't working with them to put all those mm -hmm. together so they would understand that the messiah is not going to be a king He's going to be a weeping mm -hmm. Messiah, whatever. But there's a whole bunch of scriptures there that he actually knew them, but he couldn't put them together. That that is a fact. Um, excellent. Hey, uh, just to switch topics for a minute, uh, Steve. We guess, Bill. I wanted to pause for a minute to talk about Magic Mind, the productivity drink that keeps me focused improves my concentration and helps me stay productive throughout the day. You know, I, I used to pull a cappuccino about three every afternoon. Give me the kick I needed to wrap up work, make dinner, stay active into the evening. Uh, and, you know, um, these days I'm staying up late because we're going to do the chosen in a couple of weeks and I have to catch up on those season two episodes so a small bottle of magic mind uh, keeps me sharp as the daylight flags in the afternoon i can enjoy my evenings better and uh not get all irritable or impatient that you tend to get with a, a shot of coffee i also mentioned that before steve uh in the afternoon i get sleepy uh, when i'm preparing for the podcast too <laughs> but I, folks i cannot drink tea I cannot take a Vibrant. In fact, I used to take those. All of you remember Vibrant or, or, or uh, Vibrant. the other stuff that you take, and it, and it gets you really shaky because it's <laughs> pure caffeine. Uh, well, I can't drink tea and I can't drink coffee after 11 o'clock in the morning, folks, uh, because it will keep me awake at night. It doesn't make me jumpy, but, but I cannot sleep at 9 o'clock at night, 10, 12 hours later. And before Magic Mind, I would usually take a nap or do push-ups to get the blood flowing. But Magic Mind eliminates that need. And uh, I can, and like Bill, uh, Steve said, I can drink a bottle and I become more alert in a short time. I'm guessing it starts around 15 minutes after I drink it. I've not checked how much time it takes to improve, but, but I can feel a boost in my energy and I can refocus my attention on reading and studying. And also... It tastes pretty good, too. The flavor is strong, refreshing. It's a vegetable and citrus flavor. So you, you know, it's funny. Before the holiday, I was using Magic Mind, and then we went into Christmas and came out. And I realized last week that I was out. And what I had found out was that, you know, it helps me stay focused, helps me stay alert, gives me the energy I need really to stay alert and awake at my job, which is can be in hazardous conditions and hazardous locations. And I got to pay attention, as we noted last week, to what could be going on around me in particular. So this week I've been without. And so I would encourage I need to go online. And so you need to listen to Bill when he gives that code, just like I'm going to be. So you can get that order in because I need to get my order in at this moment. But I found the difference this week where I'm not using it. And I find that I'm having to hit the coffee again. And then the problem is, as Steve and Mike had mentioned, number one, I'm, I'm having the sugar crash. And number two, you know, I've got to be really, really careful because while magic mind would let me sleep at night, I'm, I have the opposite problem, not being able to sleep when I drink coffee too late in the day. 
I drink, I'm able to fall asleep at nine o'clock and then I have the worst possible thing in the universe. I wake up at 1am wide awake and can't do anything, but go back to sleep. So I'm, I'm missing mine at the moment and you can get them at sprouts, but our sprout store has not been open the last several days for some reason. And so I have not been able to go there and grab a bottle or two. So I'm going to be grabbing my code tonight so I can grab, so I can get my order in. Magic Mind has matcha, and that's kind of hot right now. You go down to the either the coffee shop or the tea rooms. But matcha by itself may be worse than a cup of coffee. I mean, my, my wife says, yeah, have some of that uh, at 9 o'clock in the morning. You won't be you'll, – you'll last to 2 in the morning the next day. Uh, so folks of Magic Mind have hit upon a formula that – blends the matcha with catechins, nootropics, adaptogens, and the additional compounds which balance that that matcha boost with stress reducers and anti-inflammatories. And 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 as as Mike said, the agave uh, gives it a, a real refreshing flavor. It's not, you know, funny tasting the way some of these mm. these uh, uh, herbal beverages might be. And and the blend does give you energy and focus you need without the uh, nervous irritability or mood cycle you get from from caffeinated drinks. And other benefits include lower blood pressure, which I can get into, and a strengthened immune system. And the Magic Mind team has created a super offer for me to share with our listeners. Order within the next 10 days and you'll get up to 56% off your first delivery subscription and 20% off your one-time purchase with the code NOCHURCH20. To redeem this special offer, go to magicmind.com backslash Jan No Church. That's magicmind.com, then a backslash, then J-A-N, no church. Then use the code no church 20 when ordering. But hurry, the 56% discount only lasts 10 days from our episode drop date. You know, we're talking about Paul in the conversion. And as a salesman, there's a saying that you want the customer who is the tough customer that's who you want to sell and the reason why is your competition if you had trouble convincing that customer to buy from you your competition will have a hard time getting him away from you and your product so he'll be a tough customer no matter what and uh, it just kind of reminds me of uh, the old saying, <laughs> mules were, rarely win the race. <laughs> and that's uh, that is like uh, my, da- my dad used to make that comment when he'd see a guard dog that was so friendly and walk away with the robber with your stuff, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that kind of thing. And so not only is the conversion incredible, but it's incredible that it was Saul that became Paul. Steve. Yeah. And, and now by extension, I, I wanted to kind of do this segment on, um, our own conversion experiences and the idea that there's no there's no right way it's it's interesting the way sometimes it's portrayed and sometimes how we experience in church uh, after in a baptist church after the sermon 
we have uh, there'll there'll be a moment where the the pastor or the the the, the preacher who gave the sermon will ask for anybody to come forward as if there's you know there's a there's an expectation that the sermon itself would would create a spiritual uh conversion experience in some churchgoers it happens in different ways for different people now uh, for me i don't exactly know when i became an out and out christian um other than uh some now we're going on close to 30 years through 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 my wife, who was my fiance then, um, reintroduced me to uh Christ, you might say. I grew up in the Catholic Church, as I mentioned multiple times, but it's it never quite seated until really I became really intensely um until i really started to read the bible thoroughly in a in in the niv translation and listen to uh sermons and really understand the idea of a faith-based faith and grace-based salvation but it was all very intellectual to start with the end where i am here i know i'm a different person I don't know exactly when I, I, I like I was reading a commentary the, the uh, this afternoon. When was Peter's conversion? You know, when did that happen? Did it happen at the moment when the, 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 the miracle of the fishes? Did it happen uh, at, at uh, other points? It happened at the transfiguration. He seems to be bounding along and seems to really not come into his own until that, that, that literally the spirit hits him on Pentecost and he makes that great sermon and, 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 and has that, that, that great moment of response where 3000 people come forward to be, to, to, to be baptized or to, to become believers. So I, I, that there, there it is. I, I can't say I had a dramatic moment. I know you said the same thing, uh, but I, I, I got to talk about this idea of, I think it began with a decision to, to believe. I think a lot of people read a lot into it. Uh, into necessarily a conversion moment. And some people can uh, uh, can point to an exact day when they actually turn their life around. Uh, but for me, it's been uh, exercising my faith muscle. And my faith muscle has changed. It's in, changed in size as I've grown. Uh, it's changed in ability uh, as I've grown and ability and influence as well. And, and I think uh, Saul knew Jesus, and so he knew about him. And so that kind of thing is kind of like putting your toe in the water. So he wasn't totally oblivious to the miracles that Jesus had done and, and all in the followers. But the hammer was when he was on the road to Damascus. And so it was, I mean, it was that come to Jesus moment <laughs> and he did. And, but see, and that's the thing. I think other people, you, you put your toe in the water just by maybe going to church or having a friend or anything. Usually it's a crisis that has people that is their come to Jesus moment. And and I would also say in the vast majority of them, 
It's crisis that we caused ourselves, and it causes us to examine our life and examine our direction. And this is the one playbook that is out there for everybody to read. I just believed because I saw it. Um, I saw the example in my dad and my grandpa. Just, just kind of followed the along, but example. it was reinforced by things that happened to me in my life. So, uh, Professor Koshu. So yeah, it, it it's interesting because so I grew up Episcopalian, and somewhere along the way at a youth camp, believe it or not, uh, just an overwhelming sense of like Steve said, a belief. You know that that there was something there greater than me, more important than me, and more involved than I ever could be. And then just that kind of morphed over time, Bill, like you said, into just a growth of, growth of faith. And I'm kind of like you. I, I'll use the term, my faith muscles atrophied a few times in life. Absolutely. And, I, and, and I had to hit the gym with it to mm-hmm. get it back together. Um but it, it's interesting because as we approach these things, we find out that the more we exercise it, the closer we become and the more we walk in our faith. And I think that's one of the things that that a lot of, and I'm going to use the term evangelical Christianity, we get so focused on the conversion moments that we tend to forget about the discipleship and daily growing moments. Mm-hmm. And those are the parts that become super important. After The conversion is important, but it's how do you live your life of faith in Christ after that is where it gets drug in. And I think men really struggle with that because we're not touchy-feely. You Ooh. know, we want to see results, and it, it's kind of like going to the gym. I, I'm going to the gym now, and we've been going since the 1st of September. We discount Thanksgiving through Christmas because I had COVID. I was traveling, so I didn't get to go there. And after four months, even if I discounted my four months off, I am not buff and cut yet. <laughs> you know, do I see some differences? Yeah, some. Uh, some clothes are fitting a little better. Got a little more endurance, maybe. But I'm still having to work at it. And it that that progress that I had, honestly, did slow down when I got COVID and couldn't go to the gym for two weeks. Oh. Michael um, yeah, I've shared my experience with uh, um, finding Christ before, and 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 um, mentioned a couple like a couple points here, and you guys are welcome to join me on this. Um, the the answer that Jesus gave to Nicodemus was you must be born again, okay. And Steve went into several areas, and one of which is the terms, and uh, and how and is can you be converted several ways? He sort of inferred that, and and I'm going to say first of all, born again is is a church answer to conversion to Christ because you don't find it anywhere else in the in the New Testament. What you find. And 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 Steve said he was a, a member of the church, church, Catholic Church, and Robert said he was Episcopalian. What you find is you find that you, these people who actually become closer to Christ, 
ask the Lord to forgive them, and then they seek to serve him greater. Now, Steve said his came from reading the Bible and seeing errors in his ways and, and learning about Christ. Um, mine came whenever I was dating a girl, and, and uh, I was not down and out, Bill. I was doing pretty well. Like I said, I was playing down downtown in Houston in Old Market Square in one of the, uh, the clubs. Um, so I've been dating a girl that was very attractive, and she... Uh, her parents didn't like me at the club. Uh, they were they were Pentecostal, and and they said well, you're going to stop dating her if you don't get out of that club and stop playing there. Well, I was raised in the Baptist church. Every time uh, Steve mentioned this too, every time the pastor would give a sermon, I would kind of tune that out, and I'd either write, read a comic book or read something in the church and hide it somewhere in my books. And when the the pastor would would ask us to come down and give our lives and commit to Christ, I would sense a tugging, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. And and the rightness there was that, Mike, there's a better way. There's a more correct way to walk. And, and it doesn't involve deception. It doesn't involve lying. But there's a better way to walk. And and, and finally, when, uh, when this young girl's parents, her name was Janet, um, uh, told me this. I said, well, you know what, Lord, if you're really out there, would you reveal yourself to me? And 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 he did. Now, Jesus points out a couple of things like this that are very important on the the uh, the principles of of knowing Christ. And and by the way, and you look at all the people that come to Christ, whether it's apostles or the other people Jesus preaches to, and he says they ask, you know where is the gospel of the kingdom? And he says, you repent and you look for the kingdom of God and you ask forgiveness and you follow what you know to be the word of God. And in this case, it's Jesus Christ. You believe in me and trust in me that I'm the Messiah. But anyway, Jesus told Thomas, he says, he says, Thomas, you didn't really believe that I was resurrected until you saw me. He says, he says, but blessed are those people who don't see me and they believe that I'm the Messiah and they believe that I'm the Christ. And um, Jesus clarifies this to, to, by telling Nicodemus, so what is this? What is this born-again experience? What is this new life in Christ experience? And Jesus tells Nicodemus, and, and the famous two words, you must be born again. But he follows up two verses later in John 3 and 5, he says, the born-again experience is being born of spirit, your spirit, and water to enter the kingdom of God. So if you could find God by reading and studying the Bible, Paul would have done that. Robert has said this, Bill said this, Steve has said this, uh, by reading the Bible, you would have been able to find Christ, but your heart has to be right. And that's what that miracle did when Jesus came down and appeared to him in the light, in the blinding light. It, it, he knew his heart, but it was very closed and hardened to following Judaism. But Christ softened it. And, and my heart opened up whenever I said to the Lord, I said, okay, if you're really real, show me. And it took about two weeks to do that. And I have some other friends who, who had dated ladies uh, like myself and, and, and the ladies that said, you know, you really need to know the Lord as Savior. And one of them was John Sharp, a, a great, great guy. And he says, he says, I didn't believe in Christ. I was an atheist or agnostic. 
He says, but I opened the Bible and started reading it. And he said, after about two weeks, maybe three weeks, he says, I noticed I was changing. I stopped cussing. I stopped having a desire to lie or, or do deceptive things. And he says, my heart totally changed. And I started believing Christ. And he got that again by reading the word, but you open your heart. So again, what we say, it's a heart experience. We ask Jesus into our heart. In reality, we're asking his spirit to meet our spirit. I, I believe that. And you guys may have a personal uh, a statement or a realization of how, how you believe that, that we become new creatures in Christ. But as near as I can figure, when we ask him sincerely to come into our heart or to reveal himself, he will do that. His spirit will be revealed to us. And then later, as we grow in Christ, all of you have heard us talk on these podcasts. In order to grow in Christ, you read, you pray, you read the Bible, you pray, and you ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit. Bill? Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our break. Uh, this is Podcast 315, No Church Answers. So we'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is uh, podcast number 315. Uh, we're talking about Saul's radical conversion and being born again. Um, I just want to go ahead and uh, if you really are born again, you're wasting it if you aren't different. If you profess to be born again and then you go back to the way you were, then you, you actually weren't. And I've seen so many people do that where they have this, this massive conversion and all of a sudden they are totally different. And then you see them a week later and they're like exactly the way they was, <laughs> you know, before the incident. Before. So it's almost like uh, it's uh, not being born again. It's uh, uh, or it being born again, but short lived. <laughs> anyway, uh, talking about uh, conversions, uh, Steve Titch. But yes, there has to be a commitment uh, in in That's this in this in this um, in this reading. Paul writes about getting a charge from from Jesus. He he said, "Go to be you're going to be my apostle to the Gentiles." So, kind of an answer to that, what you're saying, Bill, what you. What you usually end up with is some sort of charge or commitment. Now, to me, your personality doesn't change. That's the, you know, but subtle things happen much more. You know, 
my my experience has been I became involved in Christian education, even as an amateur uh, back, you know, when when I was with first uh, first pres in Evanston, Illinois, I was in there on their teaching. I wasn't teaching. I was just pretty much in the education committee. But when once I was uh, here in in Sugarland, uh, I began doing Bible study classes and now I'm doing a podcast. So that's been a journey, and that's something I would not have been doing had I not experienced the Lord. Excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu. So, you know, kind of to wrap up for my thoughts for the evening, it, it's the conversion experience is there, but I think look at what Paul did after that. He spent time in Damascus with Annas learning. He then went and spent some time studying. Then he goes to the mother church in Jerusalem and spends time with the leader, Peter, and the leader of that church, James, and learns about the faith. And Paul then starts, we think, putting his theology together. Because Romans is kind of the ultimate in the theological sense of what it means to be a Christian. And he didn't get converted by Jesus and then instantly sit down and write that. It took him a while to synthesize what he knew as a Pharisee with what he knew as a Christian, recognizing that it was all about the faith. And he starts expressing that here in Galatians, one of the first books of the Bible that we're going to be going all the way through. But ultimately, he culminates that with the writing of the book of Romans. But he spent time developing his faith and building out how he thought and how he acted and what he did about Jesus. We're called to do the same thing with our faith. Once we had that conversion, we're called to build it out, learn it, study it, and more importantly than that, go live it in front of everybody else. I agree. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill, you, you brought up a great point. Uh, yes, I know of individuals who, who gave their life to the Lord uh, and it's sort of like getting married, too, because many people get married and they don't know that it's not easy and it requires a commitment. Right. Uh, Bill, you know that Steve, you know that Robert, Robert knew that. And uh, it requires a commitment. And when you follow in Christ and you keep following Christ, it requires you to commit to following the rest of your life. It is a lifetime commitment. But many people don't. They find out it's hard. They find out, uh, they think it's more prosperous maybe to not follow Christ. But the, the fact is, it's difficult, folks. Paul, when Jesus appeared to him on the, uh, the road to Damascus, he was blinded by a bright light. He could not see, folks. The author comments and compares that to Jesus being put to death on the cross. His old man was put away. And Paul went for three days into Damascus until I believe Annas or Ananias met him in the synagogue and prayed for him. And then the scales fall, fell off his eyes and he could see again. Um, the author mentions that. He says, in a way, you could compare this to, to Jesus dying, being put to death, went to the grave for three days, then he rose again. Paul's eyes were now open. He was illuminated spiritually. 
and he was now born again, or he was a new creature in Christ. So I thought that the, the comparison the author made that he in fact was put to death like Jesus. He, he was for three days in the grave, I guess learning experience, and then, and then the final day he's resurrected. I thought that was a cute illustration. It's not true, folks, but it's just a great comparison to me that, that Jesus didn't mess around with him. He put him in a position where he was going to follow him or else. Uh, and that's the way I see it. And then he did. Paul's heart was right. He says, I will follow you, Christ, and I will teach your gospel to the Gentiles. And even if it takes my life. And he, in fact, we believe that he did die preaching the gospel. Bill? Excellent. Uh, take away from you, Steve Titch. To, to follow up what, what uh... Mike was saying later in Galatians, Paul will say, he'll, he'll use that comparison. Um, my former life was crucified. Um, it was it was nailed to the cross and saved and resurrected by uh, Christ. And and everything that has come before is garbage. He, I mean, it's, it's that's a nice word. The NIV keeps it. You go back to you go back to uh, the King James version, and it's it says his past life was all dung. That was all that stuff we were talking about earlier. Uh, all his learning, all you know, what what would be a comparable to a to an Ivy League degree, to a maybe maybe a maybe better still a Cambridge or an Oxford degree. Uh, and uh, he he discounts that all, and and yeah, and and we see the structure as this was me before. Before Christ, Christ intervened, and this is me after the the one the one thing I I came up with in modern days was uh, Charles Coulson, um, who really did yeah. have two lives. He was a Watergate felon. He was Nixon's hatchet man. You know, he was he was if you wanted a dirty job, he would do it for you, and he was convicted in Watergate. And before his conviction, while he was facing trial, he had he had a conversion experience and very few people believed him. He was mocked for it, particularly the village voice mocked him. Most of the major media outlets and this was going back to the 70s. So we didn't have it didn't have wasn't quite the to the degree it is now. But nobody really believed him. Um, but it didn't matter. And, it, and he he did seven months in in prison mm -hmm. and while he was doing that he became um basically his commitment as we said to imp you know to improve to minister to prisoners to minister to felons who really were not being there they they not were not being rehabilitated by the uh by the by the prison system and he offered he created he founded prison fellowship ministries which exists to this day and actually kind of for for a couple of decades operated quietly he didn't make millions of dollars from his ministry i understand he was pretty much drawing a hundred thousand a year by the end of his life which was around 20 he died in 2012 but when he died and you can check these obituaries people looked back and realized he had founded a ministry that was now operating in 1300 prisons in more than a hundred countries wow. um, that his, that he actually did bring people to Christ um, that numerous and, and all the awards 
he won for his ministry, all the royalties from his books, he never kept any of it. He he donated back to his ministry. Uh, and, it, and, and at the end of his life, all this major media, which mocked him, said, yeah, we have to look at the facts and said, this guy changed his life completely. Uh, and that's that's a great example of what a, a conversion can do. And sometimes you won't be believed. You might be laughed at. You might be, you know, you might be, they might send some kind of, people might send some kind of self-interest behind it. But in the end, Bill, like you're saying, it shows. If you, if you are committed, you will, you're, 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 you will bear fruits of the spirit. And that's going to come up in Galatians later as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, that's exactly what I wanted to, uh, uh, to tie this uh, podcast up with. If you're born again, you deserve to be a different person. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. And once again, thanks so much uh, on behalf of uh, our supporters, Magic Mind, our other sponsors. Thanks so much. On behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshy, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. So please rate it and leave a review. And if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or nochurchanswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, uh, check out the Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org and starts at 9.45 a.m. on Sunday. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. And find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that's men only. And don't take any church answers. We'll see you here next time. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 